Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. Into the paranormal we go. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I am Jeremy Scott. You know, I scratch my head at times wondering, well, a lot of things, actually. There are a a few things that may keep me up from time to time, but it's really not about things that I'm worried about. I can tell you that much. I I just wonder sometimes, and that's all I really can do, is just wonder. Uh, how dumb do they think we are? Do they really think that we're not going to catch on? I mean, all of that is what I'm talking about. Because, I mean, all you have to do really is pay attention. And they'll show you their hand. Now, by they, I mean everyone involved at any level who is a participant uh, in turning us against each other. And ultimately, ultimately, this is what it comes down to, uh, becoming weapons, uh, not to fight our own battles, but to fight their battles. I've got enough of my own to fight. I'm certainly not becoming a weapon for somebody else's fight. I can tell you that much. Too many times we've been shown, though, exactly what is taking place. But we turn a blind eye to it. We give those who are behind the curtain, holding on to the strings, the power in which they are seeking. It is it is an addiction. We are feeding that addiction. Now, I know you're probably saying, what the heck is he talking about? Well, let me be a little bit more specific. Let me outline a few shocking scenarios. Now, <laughs> keep in mind, these are only hypothetical. I laugh. 
uh, but really they are not. It, it makes you wonder, certainly, when you hear things like this. For instance, there is a new report that focuses on the weaponization of humans. It's called Plague, Cyborgs, and Super Soldiers, the Human Domain of War. And it was released last month by the RAND Corporation, R-A-N-D, commissioned by the Office of Secretary of Defense at the Pentagon. Now, what this report discusses is a new day and age when it comes to plagues and bioweapons, gene editing, mRNA vaccines, brain chipping, and other technological advancements that can drastically change how wars are fought. Reading from the report here, a complex, high-threat landscape is emerging in which future wars might be fought with humans controlling hyper-sophisticated machines with their thoughts. The military-industrial base is disturbed by synthetically generated, genomically or genome, uh, you know, we know what they're talking about there, the genome there, targeted plagues, and the future warfighter goes beyond the baseline genome to become an enhanced warfighter who is capable of survival in the harshest of combat environments. The authors of this report examine the existing and potential future uses of biotechnology in warfare and battle and look at the human body as a warfighting domain. They want to turn us into the, 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 the weapons for their war. This is not our war. It's their war. Again, reading from the report, they envision a future in which biotechnology is used by both state and non-state actors to affect warfighting. Sophisticated future actors may use pathogens, brain-computer interfaces, genomic enhancements, wearable technology, all to supplement and strengthen warfighters. Well, if you're still uh, in the dark about what this is actually about, uh, investigative reporter Lee Feng says it well, so I'll quote. The year is 2028, and a new and highly infectious, infectious coronavirus has struck the sailors of the U.S. Pacific Fleet stationed in the South China Sea. As the world grapples with this emerging pandemic, confusion runs rampant among officials at the CIA, CDC, and DOD who bicker over the most effective response strategies. Meanwhile, China, seemingly immune to the novel virus, seizes the opportunity to launch a full-scale assault on Taiwan, capitalizing on the global chaos. While the World Health Organization praises China's successful social distancing measures, little do they know that the Chinese government had covertly vaccinated its military and essential workers under the guise of a standard COVID-19 booster campaign. This scenario initially conceived by Pentagon researchers may sound like science fiction, but military strategists believe that a coronavirus bioweapon may lurk on the horizon. Well said, Lee. Now, what do we have here, friends? Well, we have something that details uh, exactly what is to come. And it continues. The World Health Organization is warning that COVID-19 was only a test and that a far more deadly pandemic is only a matter of time. 
They, of course, did so at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, just a few weeks ago. They had an event that talked about disease X, and we're not talking about the former Twitter. This is a virus with a fatality rate, 20 times that of COVID-19, for which there is no vaccine. It could quickly bring humanity to its knees. Healthcare systems would, would fall apart. Economies would collapse. Does that sound familiar at all? Just slightly. And now the director of the World Health Organization is calling for a world pandemic treaty to prepare for disease X. But remember, friends, it's just hypothetical. It's just hypothetical. But the fact is, it's not just talk. There is a new vaccine research center in the United Kingdom that has opened. Scientists are working on preparing for disease X in that facility as we speak. Sound like it's just something hypothetical to you? 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. That's 503-506-0396 if you want to join the program tonight. And remember what we said about paying attention. Because just like with COVID-19 and the, the tabletop exercises and the testing that went on before it, which we have documented on this program, before all of this became a pandemic just a few years ago, much like then, we are again getting plenty of warning here. Back to the part about that RAND report. It mentioned brain implants. And just last week, we reported that Elon Musk's Neuralink has, for the first time ever, implanted their brain-computer interface into a human. And Musk has been quoted as saying, well, we can save our brains like a game. Do you want to save your brain like a game? I mean, maybe maybe later in life, if you lose all faculties, I guess it might be fun to roll it back. I don't want I don't want any of these things near me. I, I am I do not want one of these implants. And I do not want anyone that 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 I know and love uh, to get one of these either. I'm not saying they they shouldn't. But, of course, this is exactly the kind of technology that allows all of this to be taken to the next level. So if you want to save your brain like a game, Neuralink is, uh, is implanting their brain-computer interface into humans as we speak. Those humans very well one day work the, their way onto the battlefield. It could be a synthetic war. Uh, very, very quickly and, and likely is. That is is where we are headed here. And, of course, uh, now China has to get involved. Of course, China has to get involved. Uh, it was just this month that we learned that uh, China plans to do the same. They also plan to implant brain chips into human skulls and uh, plan to do so by as soon as next year. 
So a vaccinated uh, population, a, a willing participants, sort of speak, as was outlined in the scenario we talked about just moments ago, and now brain chipped as well. Uh, I, I can't see where that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm only joking, of course. Uh, there's so much that can go wrong with that. You allow something to be put in your body that does one thing and works in tandem with this other thing that you allow to be put in your body. And, and by the way, this is uh, the Neuralink is being implanted by a robot. This is just a futuristic, uh, to say the least, futuristic to say the least, friends. And it is, uh, I, I, I only question exactly uh, where we're headed, although I have a pretty good idea of, of where we're headed. When you talk about plagues and cyborgs and super soldiers, we're talking about uh, about technology being used as a weapon. And as I said in the beginning few moments of the program, it's not even for our own war. We're not fighting uh, really even for survival. Because if you get to the point where you are a super soldier, where you have the abilities, you're not going to feel any of the emotions that a human will. You're not going to feel physically, uh, for instance, uh, you're not going to feel your battle scars or your battle wounds. Emotionally, uh, you won't be the same. Psychologically, physically, spiritually, uh, the list goes on. You are literally a manufactured being. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, they're going to need uh, a lot more un, uh, a lot more uh, willing participants to be able to pull this off. The the, the problem is, there's going to be there's a lot who are not willing there, and then it's going to be a situation where this is going to be forced. Uh, upon individuals is there a, is there another pandemic on the way is this all just hype or are they actually warning us of what is going to come we want your thoughts on that tonight ryan gables here on the program tonight from the secret teachings good to have him back after a good number number of months and we'll talk to ryan gable right after this i'm jeremy scott somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. It's good to, uh, Welcome back here after the uh, first time in a couple of months, first time for the year, uh, Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. Ryan, a free-thinking researcher, host of The Secret Teachings, author of several books, including The Technological Elixir, which delves into the technologies uh, that we've discussed using some of these technologies as weapons of warfare. And so, uh, Ryan, first of all, welcome back to the program. Uh, good to have you here. And uh, what do you think of everything you've heard so far on the show? Yeah, Jeremy, thank you for having me. First of all, I hope that my sound quality is adequate for the show tonight. 
And based on what you've said thus far, uh, I do think about that book that I wrote about technology a couple of years ago and covering all of the different angles of the technological revolution that we're always experiencing, but it seems to be accelerating, they think, because of all of our attention that's put on it through social media and mainstream media and more and more entertainment focused on things that seem science fiction, which have become science fact. Um, I think it should be noted that when Elon Musk recently was given credit for putting this brain chip into a human for the first time, and they had been doing this with monkeys prior to that, that uh, Neuralink, the week that he purchased Twitter and was talking about free speech and opening the platform up, he also announced within that same week two other things. He announced that Neuralink was going into human trials, and he announced that the Optimus robot, which would be a full robot, something almost like uh, iRobot, was soon to be operational. And he said that he just needed a little bit more data in order to get this Optimus robot up to speed. You could look this up and verify it. And I thought that that was interesting because they're talking about Neuralink and also Starlink. Was uh, There was a big story about Starlink that same week when he purchased Twitter. So Starlink, Neuralink, and the Optimus robot all in the news that same week he bought Twitter. And Twitter's the largest social media platform in the world. And there's a tremendous amount of data, of course, on Twitter, right, beyond our comprehension. And I've always thought perhaps Elon Musk is a big advocate for free speech because it allows him to gain a lot of information that can be used to feed this robot and to feed the algorithms and to feed this kind of collectivized artificial synthetic intelligence that's being built. And I think we're seeing that not just with brain chips and not just with uh, 21st century uh, advanced warfare like you're referring to, but I think we're also seeing that um, that kind of technological development, I think also in the mind, because we're hearing a lot of warnings. Uh, I'm doing my show on this, this, I'm going to show on this this week too, about deep fake and about the concerns that a lot of, well, the council on foreign relations, the U S Congress house oversight committee, uh, and a bunch of others are claiming that the 2024 presidential election you're not going to be able to believe anything because deep fake videos, pictures, and audio are going to be so overwhelmingly uh, influential in the election that it doesn't really matter who wins or who loses. Nothing is going to be real. And I thought about that, and I'm considering that perhaps the, the level of sophisticated warfare using technology is to put together reports like what you read. Not that that's not possible and isn't something to discuss. And a lot of this stuff is really warfare of the mind and telling people things that are going to happen when they might not happen and really confusing people at the point of paranoia. All right, we'll continue with uh, Ryan Gable joining us tonight from The Secret Teachings. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal, we shall continue right after this. This is Paranormal News. 
Multiple pilots recently reported lights in the form of triangles over the Canadian prairies. R-7062, go ahead. Yeah, is there any active military uh, airspace just like north of Winnipeg? Uh, no, nothing, nothing I'm aware of. Air traffic controllers for more than an hour and a half on the morning of January 19th conversed with the pilots who reported seeing the light formations. We've had a few reports now of some sort of flashing light somewhere over the prairie, perhaps in Triangle State. Yes, they've been uh, all the way across uh, the prairies this morning or overnight. Pilots of at least four aircraft called in their sightings. Lots of active uh, bright lights. Information. There's uh, around six of them. They keep forming up in a triangle. So we've been staring at these things for well over an hour, and they're high up in the sky. The lights are said to be as high as 50 to 100,000 feet and moving very fast. At least one of the crew members thought it could be sunlight being reflected off satellites. Another said there was no way it could be satellites. Others were unsure what it was. There have been more than two dozen reports of the similar sightings from all over Canada in the past two years. George Henry, Paranormal News. A new report called Plagues, Cyborgs, and Super Soldiers, the Human Domain of War. The Super Soldiers of the Future could simply have enhanced abilities or they could be park man and park machine. World leaders gathering in Davos, Switzerland this week are going to discuss disease X. A virus that could claim up to 20 times more lives than the COVID-19 pandemic. You may even call COVID as the first disease X. Anything happening is a matter of when, not if. Elon Musk is saying his Neuralink company has successfully implanted one of its wireless brain chips in a human for the first time. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. It's those bio wars that we should be concerned about. As Ryan Gable of the uh, Secret Teachings was telling us as well, this is uh, this is warfare of the mind. This is uh, the classic definition of a psyop. So, uh, Ryan, welcome back to the program, and I'd like you to continue along with that uh, train of thought, if you wouldn't mind. Yes, I think we should address disease X historically and also in contemporary terms. First of all, disease X, of course, refers to something that is unknown. It doesn't mean disease 10 or COVID variant 10, which was kind of a rumor spreading I saw online. So it means disease unknown. Now, we've heard people like Bill Gates, who has said that tens of millions of people would die as a result of bioterrorism. And he said that back about six years ago in 2017 at the Munich Security Conference. People have, of course, accused Bill Gates of himself planning such bio-warfare. I don't think things are such black and white, though, uh, like both the mainstream and much of the alternative press says. And I'll explain why. So you look at Clade X. Clade X was probably, I would say, the original disease X that Johns Hopkins and the Bloomberg School of Public Health, the Center for Health Security, ran tabletop exercises on back in 2018. That was a year before Event 201, which involved the Gates Foundation. 
Clade X was a pandemic exercise, and X, of course, stands for unknown, and it is a similar exercise in 2018. You can type in Johns Hopkins Clade X to Dark Winter and Atlantic Storm, and also, I think, similar to Crimson Contagion in some way. That was in 2018. In 2023, just last year, and this is still very much on the table in Congress in the United States, H.R. 3832 is the Disease X Act that has been introduced, sponsored by Representative Trahan or Lori Trahan, Democrat of Massachusetts, and it is basically calling for preparations for what could be another quote-unquote pandemic. And you had referenced this earlier, Jeremy, about the 20, there's that marker, 20 uh, times more dead or 20 times worse, they say, the World Health Organization, this disease X would be than COVID-19. But this is where the mind warfare comes in. I want to point this out. It's very, very clear. And you and your audience can go confirm this for yourself. When the World Health Organization says that we could face a pandemic 20 times worse, I'm forced to remember the Imperial College in London and a guy named Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson with computer models told us that 500,000 people would die in Great Britain and 2 million people would die in the U.S. as a result of COVID-19. Neither one of those things happened. Now, we don't need to get into the numbers and the specifics and the manipulation of data and, uh, you know, dying with as opposed to from and all of that. But those were computer models that suggested, okay, a half a million or in the U.S., 2 million people are going to die. That was a computer model based on data that was plugged in that wasn't a matter of being accurate or inaccurate. Nobody knew what was happening, supposedly. So it was a prediction. It was not based on facts. It was not based on raw, real-world data. Now, it's interesting because there was just a huge series of news reports. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the story, Jeremy, about the lethal COVID infection that kills 100% of the people that it infects. Oh boy, what's this one? What's 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 the name of this one? Does it well, have a name this, yet? No, this is a study that was conducted in China. I thought and, you were going to say this is like a new super super deadly strain. No, COVID. That's not COVID ten or COVID eleven or anything like that. It's a. It's basically my point is it's a computer model. It's interesting that the New York Post. Both liberal and conservative press reported this. The mainstream and alternative media, the alternative media got into it and said, the Chinese are making a 100% deadly COVID strain. This is going to be biowarfare 2024. Now, I'm not saying biowarfare is not a thing, but if you read the article, and I have a copy I can send you, this is the title. Lethal infection of human ACE2 transgenic mice caused by SARS-CoV-2 related Pengolin coronavirus GXP2V. That's a mouthful, right? If you read the study, the study, you can look at it and you can read it. It's pretty straightforward and simple. It says that what they've done is they haven't created an actual new virus. It says that this is a, quote, model for understanding the pathogenic mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2 related viruses. And despite the fact that the media says this kills 100% and the headline of the article itself from China uh, published January 4th from BioRxiv, it says it's a lethal infection. They actually say in the first part of the article, 
In contrast, GXP2V can also infect both species. They're talking about mice. It does not appear to cause obvious disease in these animals. So how can something kill 100% of people, be totally lethal, but doesn't actually cause disease in the animals, and it's based on a computer model? And so really quickly, I want to point two other things out to you. When there were all these claims of -of gain-of-function research, which is certainly a thing, I'm not doubting that, that's a real thing, Um, gain-of-function research, Project Veritas and Pfizer, Pfizer last year in January published this on their website about the gain-of-function research. And you can just type in Pfizer response to research claims, and it will pull this press release up. Well, Pfizer goes into the gain-of-function claims and and says this. Most of this work is conducted using, quote, computer simulations. They say the same thing. And as a matter of fact, you can take that, look at the Imperial College London making these predictions of COVID deaths, and it's the same Imperial College London the same computer models from the Imperial College and other universities and, and uh, news outlets as well that publish this stuff um, that keep telling us that this was the hottest, last year was the hottest year and some of the hottest months on record. And it turns out the National Ocean Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, says, no, that's actually just based on computer models. It's not real-world data. So whether it's disease or it's climate or whatever it is, it's based more than more often than not, it's based on computer modeling and not real-world data or real-world applications. It's a lot of theorizing and a lot of science fiction. That might in some capacity be true, but that's why I think it's warfare of the mind, because we're dealing with a lot of modeling and predictions and theories. I mean, if you tell somebody that this is a virus that kills 100%, most individuals would say, well, that's something that I don't want to get. Yeah, I don't want to get it either, but that doesn't mean uh, you have to take away all of our rights from us and and force all this stuff on us and and take certain privileges away from us and and lock people down. Um, You you can never uh, prevent one of these things from happening um, no matter what you do. Uh, I mean, everybody can't stay indoors 24 7, 365, year after year after year. I mean, what happened when we did that? Uh, people went crazy. They started killing spouses, uh, suicides, uh, depression. I mean, the, the amount of drinking and drug use, uh, the organized crime. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, so again, it is the, the it is the warfare of the mind. It is the freak the individual out syndrome. And if you freak them out enough, they will become willing participants uh, in in our whole scheme. And it turns people against each other in ways that neither side of whatever conflict you're on or whatever side of whatever argument even understand. I mean, for example, um, and we don't have to get into the details of this, but it's just an example I like to give. You've had people that are in the mainstream press telling you that you need to get a COVID vaccine. Originally, it prevents infection, then it prevents transmission, then it prevents hospitalizations, then it prevents death. And then if you see some of the funny memes online, all the way at the bottom, uh, Tedros from The Who says, well, you die, but you go to heaven because they just keep backtracking on the COVID vaccine. And they've done that since the very beginning. And then all that Pfizer data came out from the federal judge that ruled they had to release that, that data. So my point is, though, the mainstream media said everybody was dying of COVID. You need to get this vaccine. On the flip side of things, you have the alternative media saying that everybody who's getting sick, they're not dying of a virus. They're dying of the vaccine. And although some people certainly had 
problems because of the vaccine and even the VAERS system, which is underreporting, shows that tens of thousands of people died from the COVID vaccines. The point is you have people saying it's all the vaccine or it's all the virus. It's all the virus or it's all the vaccine. And in reality, that's not necessarily the case. And we can look at pretty much any subject that way, that the narratives that are pushed, again, the mind warfare, the narratives that are pushed about technology, the narratives that are pushed about climate, the narratives that are pushed about disease, usually, and even ufology. You're a big fan of, of ufology like I am. I love ufology, the history, the mythos of it. And it's the same thing in ufology. You get these this paradigm where you can say something or you can disagree with that thing that's said. But it's within the paradigm. And when you step out of that paradigm and you tell people, look, there's no 100% lethal virus. It's a computer model. Pfizer's doing gain-of-function research, yes, but they're doing it on a computer. Yes, people get sick and people die. Let's find out the real reasons for that. And in the meantime, we're ignoring the hundreds of thousands, well, actually not even hundreds of thousands, the millions of deaths that are caused by heart disease, that are caused by cancer, that are caused by stroke, respiratory disease, diabetes, chronic liver disease, Um, And, of course, the third leading cause of death in the United States, iatrogenic illness, which is hundreds of thousands of people dying from legally prescribed, properly prescribed medications, unnecessary surgeries, and mistakes, which the CDC conveniently leaves off of their website and replaces the third leading cause of death with COVID-19, which many of those COVID-19 deaths caused by ventilators especially are part of the iatrogenic illness. So we're ignoring problems that are very real that can be solved or at least can be can be dealt with in a much more direct and simple way. Instead, it's much easier for pharmaceutical companies, you know, vaccine manufacturers, government regulatory agencies and people that generally, as you refer to, uh, want to lock people down, want to prevent people from working and producing, want to prevent people from seeing family members. That's psychotic, antisocial, anti-human behavior. It's experimental. We've never seen that in the history of mankind back to when the quarantine was first developed. And these kinds of things are like psychological experiments, which is what you saw actually out of the UK, their SPIB program and their SAGE unit. These are the pandemic preparedness, uh, uh, preparing the public and, and figuring out how the, how the public should um, should be informed and how things should be handled. They had psychologists outright admit, you could look this up and read their own white papers, they just said that people weren't afraid enough. And so they had to amplify the fear by putting more numbers on the TV. Now, again, this isn't an an argument over viruses and vaccines. This is an argument over the psychology and the psych warfare and how this stuff is, is applied. And now with Disease X and with all these warnings of Disease X and bioweapons and bioterrorism, we're in the same position where we sort of are being prepped for this idea that there's going to be some big event, another an attack, a terrorist attack, or some sort of outbreak or some bioweapons leak, quote-unquote. I suppose all those things could happen, but when you look at the, the, the evidence that we're thus far talking about, it would seem, this is just my opinion what I'm, from what I'm looking at and reading to you, it would seem that much of this stuff is modeled. Much of this stuff is theorized. Much of this stuff is happening in the mind as opposed to the world outside of the doors of our home most of this stuff is happening because of the programming from television the programming from all the different sources of information that 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 we t- turn to which is like 60 uh, cent social media we can call it uh, predictive or predicted programming where uh, you predictive where we're uh, going to basically tell you something that is going to happen in the future or predicted programming which is 
we were right. We we pred- we predicted it, and and it came true. We'll continue our conversation tonight with Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings, and invite you to join the program as well. If you have a question or comment in the U.S. or Canada, five zero three five zero six zero three nine six or actually anywhere in the world on Skype at ITP51, Ryan's website, thesecretteachings.info. We'll be back with him right after this. Into the paranormal. Jeremy Scott on Into the Paranormal with Ryan Gable. Bio Wars tonight on the program. Some interesting uh, things have happened over the last couple of weeks. Not getting much uh, attention in the mainstream tonight that we are bringing to the forefront. Um, Predictive programming where what's predicted later happens. uh, But there's also the predicted programming, which is where you uh, what, what you see is actually what you expected to see. It's almost as if you could have, well, predicted it or it was expected. And then, Ryan, once you have uh, uh, us in the palm of your hand and, you know, we know what to expect and and that sort of thing, and you've groomed us for certain situations, uh, well, then it's less jarring on the mind when it uh, when it actually comes to be, right? Certainly so. And I think it's really, really important to recognize that there is a, psychologically recognized in fact multiple psychologically recognized and by recognized i mean by mainstream psychology and i would assume psychiatry as well that's slightly different but mainline psychology acknowledges that there is something called mass psychogenic illness are you familiar with that um somewhat you can probably give a better uh, definition than i could though certainly so mass psychogenic illness has actually been played with in some recent tv shows there's a tv show called evil which had an episode about mass psychogenic illness, which I thought was quite interesting. And they referenced some historical mass psychogenic illness cases. For example, there were dancing plagues, at least one, possibly more dancing plagues in medieval Europe. Uh, There was a laughter epidemic in, I believe it was Tanzania back in the 1960s. I think it was 62. Um, The mad gasser was another one that was in the United States back in, what was that, during the sometime during the late part of the Cold War. And uh, mass psychogenic illness has been, in terms of actual like disease, has been documented in the 21st century. This is really interesting. In Portugal, if I have that right, if I remember it correctly, in Portugal in 2006, 2006, there was a TV show. This is really, really important, I think, for your audience. There was a TV show about this. It was like a kind of a younger person soap opera. And on the TV show, the kids, I guess, were getting sick. And it was a very popular show. And people started, young people started getting really sick. And they went to the hospitals and they went to the doctors. And the doctors said, we can't find anything wrong with you. You're not sick. Now, maybe the doctors were wrong. Okay. The point is, at the end of the day, they decided that this was not a real disease. That these kids, these young people, teenagers mostly, They were suffering from mass psychogenic illness. They had watched, and I don't know the details of this TV show. Maybe there was some sort of thing happening in the TV show that was maybe some sort of experiment that the government was running. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. But people 
this was defined as mass psychogenic illness. There's other names for it too. And people were getting sick just because they were watching people in a scripted TV show get sick. And I think that that's really important to apply to, well, any fear of, of pandemics and, and disease. Uh, it's also important to recognize, I think, in league with what you were suggesting in the last segment, Jeremy, is that fear, I mean, like, like fear can, can kill you, literally. And in fact, it's also recognized in mainline medicine, mainline doctors, et cetera, recognize that broken heart syndrome is a real condition. Your wife or your husband of 20, 30, 40 years dies. You usually right. don't last long, right? That's a thing. And if love can kill you, fear can certainly kill you because fear is depression, loneliness, isolation, all those things that we felt with COVID. So this is all part of the mind warfare and mass psychogenic illness is a, I'm not saying that's what everything is. I'm saying it's another example. And I think it also applies to ufology as well. In some cases, it's another example of how our perception of reality can be so altered and distorted and they don't even need to have a biological weapon. There doesn't need to be a bio lab leak. There doesn't need to be some Bill Gates created disease. All that has to be done is for your mind to be quite literally programmed to think that this is happening even if it is happening a little bit and people will take it to the next level and make themselves physically sick over it. So that's something that's really important to recognize. And for talking about bio warfare, perhaps the bio part of it is the body's physical body's biochemistry and our psychology. That and we'll have to uh, get more into that in our second hour. Ryan Gable with me tonight. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal news coming your way on our radio affiliates. Uh, For those of you uh, not listening on our radio affiliates, uh, I'm not sure what you'll hear, but we'll be back with more uh, Somewhere Between the Paranormal and Abnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Stream us on your favorite apps from anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. Scott back with Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal tonight. Uh, his website, thesecretteachings.info. Yeah, the program BioWars. Uh, Ryan, you um, you know are, are uh, very familiar with the means and the methods that uh, these biological weapons, and we've talked about some of them, but there are others. Uh, can you uh, please uh, give us a, a crash course in this? In in regard to biological weapons yeah, created? The, yeah, the different kinds of, of biological weapons that, that, that have been created uh, to be used on us. 
So I will start by saying I'm not a biological weapons expert, but from what I understand about biological warfare, there's a couple of different types of biological warfare. And then I would also, as I said at the end of the last segment, I would classify psychological warfare as a form of biological warfare because it is able to control biological life forms. So uh, that's kind of outside the scope of your question, though. I think the question you're getting at is biological agents that are created, perhaps gain a function research in laboratories, et cetera. We heard from Victoria Newland that the U.S. had run those laboratories in Ukraine. I'm sure you remember that right on the border of Russia. And right. they had told us that was Russian propaganda. We were running some sort of biological weapons facilities there. Um, the fact is, as we documented in the first hour, a lot of this research, as a lot of the COVID-19 variant research, is conducted on computers. A lot of gain-of-function research is done on computers. So a lot of this research for bioweapons is done in computer labs as opposed to weapons facilities. Now, it is interesting that you brought this up earlier, too. In the U.K., there is a COVID, um, I guess I'd say COVID-themed, because it kind of comes on the heels of SARS-CoV-2. It's a disease X facility where they're manufacturing, or at least beginning to manufacture a vaccine. Is that correct? hypothetical disease that's not real, and we shouldn't believe that (laughs) it will actually kill 20 times uh, more than COVID, and for which there is no vaccine for. So they're saying that they're starting to work on this and where they're working on it at is it might not be the same like literal facility, but it's part of a larger complex that actually is, if you watch the BBC report on this, a biological weapons facility. So it's kind of creepy that they're using a bioweapons facility or at least the complex in order to develop this disease X um, uh, product, whatever that might be, vaccine, pill, whatever. Um, I think in terms of bio research and bioweapons, I think the biggest one is genomics. We've heard this from the Department of Defense for years about terrorists using genomic weapons, specific genomic weapons to target people with certain colored eyes or certain skin pigmentation or just certain genes that could be anything. Uh, we've seen that touched on in TV shows like the TV show Fringe. It was a favorite show of mine. There's an episode about biowarfare using genetics. Um, I haven't played video games in a very long time, but I just got Call of Duty uh, at a used game shop and just played it, uh, the Advanced Warfare one. And there's this DNA bomb called Manticore in the game, which targets your genetics. Um, And Bill Gates has actually talked about this, I think, in League with the Pentagon about developing bioweapons to target genetics. Now, that's a little bit different than viruses, and that's a little bit different than bacteria. And that's a little bit different than chemical weapons because genetic engineering, although a lot of genetic engineering is also done in a computer lab, genetic engineering is a very, very real physical thing that can be done where you take a gene gun and you insert genes into, uh, into let's say, a plant, right? So that's a very real physical thing that's done. And that's something that could be very, very easily, I guess you could say easily, manufactured in a laboratory and dispersed. I don't know the specifics of how they would do this. But we've seen this kind of research in terms of genetic engineering of food for a very long time, since the 90s, since the Flavor Saver tomatoes came out. And there have been fears by top scientists and researchers and people that run their own you know, uh, laboratories that have said that consuming genetically engineered foods puts you at risk of genetic mutations um, in the same way that there was a study conducted in New York at one of the major universities, New York City, 
Columbia, I believe, where they, there was a little bit of computer modeling, but they did do this genetic research on these mice and found that by altering a single gene, it completely distorted and disrupted their entire genome. Like it deleted other genes, it, it altered and, and, and altered the genome. And that's what's so, included in this report, genomically targeted plagues. Yes. That, genomically yes. targeted plagues. Yep. And what, yes, and the report that you're referring to from the Pentagon, I mean, this is the same Pentagon who is the Department of Defense that's talked about this for decades. It's so common that it's even in pop culture and TV shows. That TV show Fringe, my God, that was like 15 years ago or maybe more that came out. There's plenty of movies where you have that kind of thing in it. Um, so in terms of biological weapons, I, th- I think we can just go down the list really quick. There are chemical weapons. Those are biological agents. I would call psychology also a biological weapon, as I said. Then there's this idea that we can take viruses and mutate them and change them. Um, Personally, I'm not a supporter of germ theory. I believe in environmental terrain theory. That doesn't mean viruses don't exist. The big question is whether the virus causes the disease. I don't necessarily think it does. I think the particle you're seeing under a microscope is actually an excretion from the body. So theoretically... If you watch that movie, I Am Legend, where the scientist at the beginning says we took a virus that was dangerous and we re-engineered it and we put a cop into the car of the bad guy and then we used that to fix the, you know, fix the problem, whatever they were curing. So I suppose theoretically you could take something that's, an, I would call it an excretion from your cells, an exosome or something to that effect, re-engineer it, introduce it into the body and it could cause some sort of uh, some sort of sickness or disease if you begin to tamper with the basic uh, processes of the body in that way. Um, also, genetic engineering is a form of biological warfare. So, there's a lot to answer your question. There are a lot of different forms of bio warfare, from genetic engineering to psychology to chemical weapons. And now with this genomic stuff that you're talking about, certainly not new, and certainly something that we're already, I think, facing directly. Something that is very um, uh, something that's also the Chinese, I think you referenced, the Chinese are doing something very similar, correct? Uh, that was with the the brain implants, yeah. Oh, well, I remember, you might, might be able to look this up. I think the Chinese were using uh, uh, some sort of genomic uh, vaccine, super soldier vaccine for their soldiers. Oh, yes, 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 up. absolutely. Yeah, and I think a lot of, I mean, the, the, the Germans did that in the 1940s. You know, the Russians did that, and everybody's tried to create, everybody's always looking for, for a leg up. And if that means tampering with the genome and creating these kinds of genetic biological weapons, then we're going to do it regardless of what the law is or what the morals, the, it doesn't, none of that really matters because the end goal is to, to get this product. So yeah. that, that would be my brief assessment of your question. Well, and let's not forget about uh, this Chinese lab, a bio lab that was found in in California. What was it uh, last summer? You remember that one, Ryan? I do. Yeah, there was like that garden hose sticking out the back, and and these folks reported it, and then they go in there and they find that there's yeah. like a biological facility. Well, and suspicious enough, connected to the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, you you, you just can't make this stuff up. Well, that and you also yeah, you, you can't make that up. It sounds like it sounds like a movie. Uh, this other study that I had referenced, which was all computer models, they used the word model nine times in the study about the lethality of something that doesn't actually make the mice in the study sick, even though it's on the computer. That was out of China. Um, and I believe, and, and we, we also know without a doubt that Dr. Fauci, who, in, as far as I'm concerned, is an absolute psychopathic monster, 
the stuff that he did alone with Remdesivir, the guy should be in prison. They knew Remdesivir killed 50% of the people in the Ebola studies prior to COVID-19 and then pushed it for COVID-19 anyway. He's a monster on that note alone. But Fauci, along with Peter Daszak and a lot of the folks at the NIH, they, I mean, it's not even debated now, Jeremy. They put millions of dollars into the Wuhan Institute of Virology right. to develop certain kinds of almost, I would, I guess you would call it genomic type weaponry or genomic type viruses, gain of function research. That's not even debated. So that stuff is, I mean, it, it might be debated, but it's not debated if you look at the facts. Um, that's an Obama even had had pushed that too during his administration and then i think there was a moratorium on it for a while so whatever this research is it's real it's a matter of how how does it actually affect us what's actually causing or what could potentially cause the 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 sickness or the disease or whatever the case is i think there's just there are other my interpretation is there are other ways to look at this um, rather than being totally afraid of some biological agent like in a movie making everybody sick and everybody dying I think the real source of the problem is what we as humans do in response to that fear. And that is we lock healthy people down. We prevent you from seeing your grandma when she's about to die. We force people onto ventilators. We keep people at home until they're stressed, kill themselves and alcoholism and drug use and all that explodes. Like we created those problems. That's a human caused problem. And that's, you don't need a weapon to do that as we saw with COVID-19. Absolutely not. Um, Ryan, I want to also talk about uh, what you know about uh, brain warfare, particularly, uh, you know, Elon Musk's Neuralink and then uh, also China now coming along, uh, going to be putting their brain computer interfaces to market by as soon as as 2025. I mean, tie this all together because that is the interface that really allows uh, much of this to uh, take place, uh, whether we call it control. I mean, it literally is control because through the chip is is how uh, all the strings are pulled here. Yeah, there are. I, I really want to talk about the details of that before we do, though, something parallel that's similar to what you're saying. There's also the micro needle patches that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation paid for. You could look those up, micro needle patches. And they re- they release a steady stream of what it could be a drug, it could be a vaccine into your body. And I think they're especially for kids. They develop them for kids. But there are also certain implants. And I think the military, there's a 60 Minutes piece on this. There's like this green gel-like stuff. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this, um, that they wanted to put into soldiers. And it's like little implants. And they said that it would detect in real time if you had, if you were going to be sick, let's say. And it could administer a steady stream of drugs uh, in the body. Um, and there's a lot of research, a lot of things you could, there's so many studies and like so many ahead of time to prevent you from getting sick or, or at the moment you get sick or what? All of that, or at least it's supposed to, it's supposed to prevent you from getting sick. It's supposed to, I guess if you are sick or if you're not symptomatic, but you have this virus or whatever it is, it's supposed to, it basically it's an implant that pumps drugs into your body. And if you're looking at that from the point of view of of brain implants, I mean, one, you could have something that influences the, um, the electrochemistry of the brain. And we, we've seen this research with people that are handicapped, people that are paralyzed where they can alter something with the spine, put a microchip in it, something that can electrically connect to the body and that person might be able to move their arms again or might be able to stand up again. And that's obviously very positive. That's wonderful technological advancement. I mean, that allows someone who can't walk and can't well, and, move. And, and, and Ryan wrote a book about the good and the evil 
of of the technology called the technological elixir and we'll continue our conversation with ryan gable from the secret teachings uh, after the break the secret teachings.info is his website our number in the united states and canada 503-506-0396 503-506-0396 or itp51 on skype if you want to join our conversation we'll be back right after this somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal i'm jeremy scott into the paranormal. paranormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Ryan Gable. Always good to talk with him. Catch up with his show, The Secret Teachings. You can find that on many of the podcast apps. And, uh, Ryan, uh, you wrote The Technological Elixir as well. And uh, we've got a couple of minutes here. What is the premise of what you discuss about that? Well, actually, to your question that you asked me in the last segment in regard to brain implants, I talk a little bit about brain implants, microchips, in the brain and the rest of the body and how that can be, as I was alluding to before break, that can be very positive for the small number of people that might actually need them to be able to walk or to use their arms or hands. Now with Elon Musk's recent implant, according to reports this year, just a few days ago, um, you'd be able to move things on a computer, which we've already seen that technology, but this, this is more advanced. With, uh, without even touching the computer, you wouldn't even need the use of your hands. Uh, Apple just released the Apple Vision, which is an augmented reality thing that you put on your face, your eyes, like goggles, and you can basically touch these you know, digital artificial things in the real environment, kind of like Pokemon Go. So to answer your question about my book and going back to the last segment, I talk about the benefits of technology, but I talk about the reliance on certain forms of technology and that's what the technological elixir is it's like the elixir of life the thing that we believe can help us to live forever and the basic premise of the book although it talk i go into ufology in the book i go into symbolism in the book i go into a lot of things in the book it's a huge massive compilation um, but the idea is basically that there clearly are people in silicon valley clearly people at davos etc and there are many people who actually outright say this, that the human race, Yuval Harari is one of them that say this, the human race is flawed. Um, some people go as far to say God is flawed. You know, God, maybe God exists, but God is flawed. He created a flawed species. And so humans can thus replace God and make things better. And that is where technology comes in to make us the next, it's the next stage of human evolution. And I always thought of that. And I always thought, how is that? It doesn't make any sense, even philosophically, if God created an imperfect man, then how can an imperfect man replace an imperfect God? Wouldn't an imperfect man be subject to an imperfect creation and therefore be destined to fail? And that's kind of the conclusion that I come to with the technological elixir is that we're offered this elixir of life, this poisoned apple, and we're offered this technology that supposedly will allow us to live forever, Jeremy. We'll be able to live forever. It's kind of like the promise of everlasting life in Christ in the church. We'll be able to last and live forever. We'll be able to have all these in- incredible powers, etc. So it's a religion it's, in some aspects. Yes, sir. And in fact, in the book, I talk about the church of AI. There's an AI church. 
and the development of these things that are continuing to grow day by day. It's, it's a, it's a cult-like religious-like belief system. Yes. The elixir is the promise that it can save us from imperfect creation uh, and replace uh, organic life with synthetic life. All right, Ryan, we're about to hit our bottom of the hour break, but where does the audience uh, find out more about you and listen to your show? Yep. Triple W Info is my website. The show airs Monday through Friday on ground zero dot radio. And then it's in the archive, either on my site or you can search the secret teachings on Spreaker, Apple, etc. Fantastic. Uh, highly recommended. And we'll come back with uh, Ryan Gable and continue our conversation in the final half hour of the program. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. More into the paranormal after George Henry in Paranormal News. This is Paranormal News. An asteroid as big as the Empire State Building was among several that buzzed Earth in the past week. 2008 OS 7 came within one and a half million miles of us on Friday. NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies estimates the space rock between 700 to over 1,500 feet across. It's expected to come back around in 2032. Three much smaller asteroids passed over us this past weekend. There are said to be millions of asteroids in the solar system and over 34,000 now of what are known as near-Earth asteroids. Astronomers say an object of around 300 feet or less that's capable of causing damage is bound to make an appearance about every thousand years. George Henry, Paranormal News. There is another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target not the body, but the mind of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. Ammunition used by Cyborg. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Gripping at my skin, the walls of night closing. But the use of this force as an integral part of combat has now taken on new form. Into the pair of normal from the U.S. and Canada at 503-506-0396. 
or reach us internationally on Skype at ITP51. Now, uh, what if I told you that right there was actually an official Army recruitment video? Well, it's an actual Army recruitment video. It's one that we've actually played on the program when Ryan was here once before back in 2022. Had to bring it back for another appearance this time. It does go on much longer than that. And in fact, if you don't uh, actually watch it and you're just hearing it, uh, there's some things that you may not even pick up on. And since we're a radio show, this recruitment video entitled Ghosts in the Machine by the 4th Psychological Operations Group Uh, Well, it says across the screen things like, have you ever wondered who's pulling the strings? You'll find us in the shadows and all the world's a stage. So to uh, sum it up, you can uh, join the Army's psyops and uh, manipulate the situation, become the, the puppeteer. You can pull the strings. That's what they're saying here. Uh, Ryan, that is just a creepy video. It gives me bad vibes. Uh, It's been out there for a couple of years. I don't know how many people actually know of it. Uh, You've seen the video. You've heard it before. Uh, What do you make of that? Yes, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've played it on my show, The Secret Teachings. And I think that it is in and of itself a form of advertisement for the idea, almost a form of predictive programming in a sense. Propaganda, can we say? Certainly, propaganda. It's advertisement, essentially. It's a form of psychological warfare itself. I mean, we use that term, or we abbreviate it, PSYOP. We use it like any other political term that's thrown around, you know, it doesn't matter on the left or the right politically people have their slogans and their phrases that they use and repeat without thinking about them, which is all a form of mind control in a way it's all marketing and advertising. It's, it's very Edward Bernays like, um, you read his book propaganda that came out of the late twenties. I mean, everything is sold to us in those ways. Even psyops are sold to us in a way that is a form of marketing. Um, I mean, when you, you watch that video, it's really creepy, and it plays on a lot of the themes and the motifs uh, that we hear about in, let's call it, conspiracy world or conspiracy research. People talk about the hidden hand behind the curtain, kind of a reference to the wonderful Wizard of Oz, right? People talk about uh, Alice in Wonderland, through the looking glass, through the down the rabbit hole, the red pill, all these conspiracy motifs, all these ideas, and that's something now that the military is is clearly playing with with that video in the same way that the National Football League was playing with the NFL's rigged conspiracy at the beginning of the 2023 season. They did a whole video series on it. I think conspiracy theory and psych warfare itself has turned into a marketable product if it wasn't before. And now it's being sold to us as this um, as this prepackaged thing that if we we watch that video, we listen to it, it's it's more proof that there really are people pulling the strings. It's more proof that there's a shadowy cabal. It's almost like we're being trolled by things like that, is what I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there's others that have hinted on the whole uh, superior uh, soldiers or the the super soldiers as they're known. And these are they're almost becoming uh, immortal. Well, the super soldiers that I mean, that that's been around forever. Soldiers have always been given drugs or given, you know, a pep talk, whatever it is that can make them fight a little bit harder. And that's something that we've seen uh, from World War well, in a in hundred years, we've seen that from World War One to contemporary uh, 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 military activities today. Maybe not so much in the U.S. publicly, because now it seems like it's more important that soldiers paint their nails and wear high heels. But at least in China, they like to give them a cocktail of vaccines that aren't really vaccines. They're more like genomic altering chemical drugs. What I don't know what's in them, but they say that they call these things in China um, superhuman shots, basically. Uh, to change them to make these soldiers more able to withstand uh, combat, to make them a super soldier. I think there's a notion that super soldiers are soldiers that run around with like this exoskeleton on and they have all these special abilities or they're like Marvel characters. I mean, that's like a fantastical way to look at it. But a real super soldier is perhaps someone who has the psychological fortitude to not break in war, someone who will do anything and everything to get the job done. Um, not every soldier's like that. And so someone who acts like that and does that, I mean, that that basically is a super soldier. So I'm not trying to diminish the fantastical here. I'm simply saying that a lot of the things that we think of as as fantastical and Hollywoodish and sci-fi, um, it's real. It's just not necessarily in the way that it's been sold to us. Super soldiers are definitely real things. The military of every country, I think, that has a has a program for this has tried to do this for for over a hundred plus years with new technology. So it's a very real thing. Well, and in this uh, particular ad right at the end, they refer to them as cywar soldiers. Uh, this is a, but this, so this is taking it to a entirely different level. Yeah. You know, I just saw, um, I kind of famously do a, a Super Bowl analysis show every year. And I just saw that there's these Super Bowl commercials out. One of them is from, um, from Oreo and, you know, Oreo, did that promotion a couple of years ago about the UFO offering with right. the, U, the Oreo. Remember that? And uh, if you look at the Oreo, you have the 12 Maltese crosses, the Knights of the Round Table, you have the Cross of Lorraine, Nabisco, that cross with the circles. Some call it the Leviathan cross. A lot of weird symbols on it for most people who don't know what that is. That's very weird and strange and occult and maybe even evil. And then they have this UFO association. I saw this commercial. My, my point is I saw this commercial again for the Super Bowl this year. It's an Oreo commercial with those symbols very up close. And then there's a UFO in the commercial with some other occult stuff. And it reminds me of the Taco Bell commercial a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl where they had like the Illuminati and like Bigfoot or something. Again, it seems like Psy warfare today more than ever in the past is almost like trolling and it is marketing this idea to us that oh psy war it's just kind of comical it's kind of funny it's kind of sci-fi it's kind of weird and disturbing and it almost acts as a form of predictive programming as i said so that when we recognize these techniques and tactics we probably subconsciously think back to things like that, that video, and think, well, that, I mean, they showed it to us, so there's no psychological warfare. And, you know, I think that's that's the danger in a lot of this stuff, is that you don't really know what is real and what's not real, and that's the whole issue with, with deepfakes. 
which it's not even a matter of fake videos, images, and audio. It's a matter of what's real being labeled fake because someone doesn't like it and says, hey, the computer did that, even though it's very real. The point is, we don't know what's real and what to believe, and that drives people paranoid and confused and crazy. And that kind of seems like that's the way that it feels around us, especially since COVID. People are paranoid and crazy and don't know how to handle themselves, like they've lost their sympathy. So are, are there other forms of technological warfare that you discuss in the technological elixir? Yeah, I discuss it from the point of view of the music industry. And there's a heavy reliance in the music industry on certain, especially on certain images. Uh, black goo is an image that has been used even by MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They use a black cube and black goo-like substance to represent AI, at least in a handful of articles I've read. Similar imagery that Lady Gaga has used, similar imagery that Billie Eilish has used, similar imagery that a bunch of musicians have used, and it's in a bunch of pop culture. It's in the X-Files. It's called Purity. It's a, it's a, it's a vehicle for the alien virus that gets into this black oil. Um, so you see that kind of reference to technology, whether it's AI or it's nanotechnology or it's some kind of synthetic alien virus, whether you look at movies or pop culture in general, music, entertainment industry. I talk about that in the book. Um, I talk about ufology in the book and the technological and psychological components of the ufological lore and mythos and what is and is not maybe real within the, that field of research. Um, and I also talk about a lot of a lot of things that are related to individual technological developments, whether that's you know basic standard voice assistance to something silly like uh, you know smart prophylactics, like there's smart condoms or there's you know, smart toilets and things like that in the book as well. And uh, I talk about all that. What do you see coming up uh, as far as the situation with with Russia and, and Ukraine and, and Israel and and Hamas? There's, you know, there's talk of the U.S. because of the, the strikes, uh, the drone attacks and now the retaliation. This whole thing is going to end in, in a nuclear war. Is that uh, of concern for you? Personally, not not really. I, I don't think that we're facing nuclear war. I think it's a possibility. It's a, it's a potentiality. Anything is a possibility and a potentiality. I don't think that that benefits anybody, unless it's an accident. I think what benefits people in every country uh, that have people that have power is that the population uh, of their country is petrified and terrified and is kept, as Orwell said, on the brink of starvation it doesn't do powerful people much good to just kill everybody, but it does do powerful people really, really good and it gives them and helps them maintain their power when they can terrify people to think that they're going to die, to think that it's going to be a virus or it's going to be a nuclear weapon that wipes them out. And so people are so afraid and so uh, you know nervous and, and anxious and don't know what to do. They continue to give these people their power, hoping that they'll fix problems that well, they're obviously being gaslit to think are real problems that aren't usually artificially created in the first place. So to answer your question, no, I don't, I'm not really afraid of nuclear war. What I'm afraid of is what is continuing to transpire, and that seems to be the unraveling, at least perceptually, of the fabric of not just Western, but of all civilization on, on planet Earth. It seems like civilized behavior has become less and less common. Maybe that's just social media. And it seems like if there are nuclear weapons that are going to be detonated, these are happening in the mental, intellectual spheres. And the battlefield of the 21st century 
is not one filled with radiation and and some apocalyptic landscape. It's one of the mind. And that's partly back to the psych warfare and that uh, video and that audio that you play. That's my assessment. I'm not as worried about that. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared for something. But in all actuality, in all reality, if there's a nuclear war, it doesn't matter how much storable food you have. <laughs> you're probably not going to last very long. And that doesn't that doesn't sell. So that's my assessment of the situation. And I think we shouldn't be worried about that. We should be more so worried about our families and our health, things that we can directly control. And uh, speaking of health, uh, because it does sound like there's a lot of head games going on, and, and I hope you're right, uh, and, and maybe the bigger threat is is the psychological warfare uh, and the super soldiers uh, battling. You know, it's going to be uh, instead of um, – uh, 18 and you enter the service, uh, you know, the draft's not going to be around much longer and we're going to have these robots just fighting out our wars. I mean, I don't know exactly where we're headed. I want to talk GMOs when we uh, come back with you and, and genetic modification because uh, Ryan is um, is interested in, in, like he said, what what is healthy and uh, what is good for us to eat and what's not good for us to eat. Uh, he's actually written a book about that as well. So we'll continue our conversation with Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings right after this. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal, we'll be right back after this. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. You look, we're all about alternative thinking here, and uh, I appreciate you coming by with us nightly or every other night or whenever you can join us. Just know that we appreciate you being there, and we hope you'll go to paranormalradio.com. Check out our store. If you see anything that looks cool and would, might fit you, then um, we ask that you uh, support the store, paranormalradio.com slash shop. Uh, talking with Ryan Gable here, you know, no matter what happens, because there is still a lot of uncertainty out there, uh, one thing is for sure, we need nutrition, we need to be feed w- uh, fed well, uh, and uh, this is what has worked for Ryan, uh, he wrote about it in Food Philosophy, and so I'm wondering if you can share some of your wisdom with the audience here, Ryan. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that book, Food Philosophy, it's a relatively small book compared to my others, it actually is about a lot of psychological tactics, speaking of psychology tonight, that the food industry employs in order to get you to purchase products. And the way that the food industry employs this psychological manipulation, these tactics and the propaganda is the same way the pharmaceutical industry gets you to uh, purchase their products. Um, the way that the packages are are uh, labeled and the way that the ingredients are listed and the way that advertisements are, are produced. Um, virtually nothing that we purchase, virtually nothing that we eat, nothing that we take as a pill, inject into us. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, Jeremy, we, we have no idea what we're, what we're doing. <laughs> we just listen to what the doctor, we listen to what the scientists, we listen to what the, the people that are supposedly the experts say and do. That's why 18% of the population, according to a Newsweek study or poll, said that they'd vote for whatever candidate Taylor Swift tells them to vote for. This is not good. This is not good mentally, and this is not good physically for our health. So more to your point and to the question at hand about food philosophy, there are all kinds of different theories on what is best to eat. Um, We've seen very, very basic scientific evidence from the China study 
uh, the work of T. Colin Campbell, that even if you are exposed to environmental toxins, you don't necessarily need to be worried about that because when you eat a more whole foods, plant-based diet, that doesn't mean that I'm working for the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates. I'm just simply saying that the evidence and the science shows that when you eat a whole foods, plant-based diet, it doesn't necessarily mean a uh, matter rather if you get uh, if you have a large exposure to chemicals and carcinogens it, it can actually um, you can you're protected by those kinds of things that you eat this is very well scientifically documented um, and so that means that you shouldn't necessarily be worried about every little teeny tiny chemical you come into contact with because one the world although we have a lot of new synthetic chemicals the world's a lot less polluted and toxic than it was maybe a hundred or two hundred years ago especially london a hundred two hundred years ago one of the worst cities in the world for pollution and, and, and filth um, and so when you look at you look at health, like the healthiest parts of the world are places that don't have the goji berries and don't have the co-ops and don't have all the natural food stores. The healthiest places in the world are like, there's a place in Southern California, it's called Blue Zones, uh, Greece, Okinawa, Japan. And the reason that people are healthy there is not because they eat purple potatoes in Japan or because they eat, you know, oil in Greece, because some people say oil is bad for you. It's because they have community and family. And so it doesn't mean that you should treat your body, your temple, your mind, etc., with disdain. But generally speaking, what should be more concerning is community. What should be more concerning is not worried about the chemicals, but worrying about the things you put in your body that can offset those exposures to chemicals and carcinogens. And, all, and the great thing about all this is it doesn't really cost you anything to do it. Just limit your intake of garbage get your mind right and don't and stop being afraid of everything and look into the things that are scary like we talked about tonight with everything from disease to climate look into the details and find a community of people that make you feel good and that seems to be we've seen that with blue zones we've seen that with the work of people like t colin campbell and we've seen that with the evidence we've looked at tonight that really it's it's really about just your perception on reality it's about what you do or don't put into your body and it's about your community and the people that you get along with. And I think those things make us a hell of a lot more healthy than taking any vaccine, any pill, any drug, or any wonder berry that you find in, in, a, in a food store that costs $25 a pound. You don't need any of that stuff. Uh, and that is the food philosophy as far as I'm concerned. All right, Ryan, you get the final word. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to contact me on the show, rdgoogle at yahoo.com. Everybody, do a good show, Jeremy. Thank you. Absolutely. Always good to talk with you. And we'll do it again, friends, tomorrow night from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. Until then, it's always an honor to grace the airwaves or the screen with you. And we always appreciate you listening. And we'll talk to you then. Good night and God bless. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.